Phyllis Wakiaga is our guest on Jam Masters today on The Jam. If you're just tuning in, welcome to The Jam on your best mix of music, 98.4 Capital FM. Phyllis Wakiaga, is this your favorite station? Of course, Capital is my favorite <laughs> station. I remember when I was in university, yes. I spent all my Saturday mornings blasting yes. <laughs> music. music from Capital FM. It's so, yes. Good. It's a favorite station. That is the correct answer. Yes. Very well. You see, this is going to be so easy <laughs> if you keep answering keep all answering the questions. The <laughs> <answer>. <laughs> Honestly, thank you so much. I know we've tried to align our calendars and yeah. there was a, a lot of stuff happening in, in both our lives and in the country and so many other places. But um, this was the appointed time. So I'm really sure. grateful that you're here. So let's start off. You told us your name. You told us what you do. Um, and I think I want to ask you to de- delve a little bit deeper into what is a private sector um, development advisor. Advisor. What What is that? What course do you take to become <laughs> that person? <laughs> oh, thanks. Thanks for that. Yeah. So a private sector development advisor is basically someone who advises on private sector development. Mm-hmm. And private sector development is seeing how we can put wealth creation at the heart of development. Mm-hmm. Uh, because if you look at the private sector, they're the engines of economies around the world. And supporting the private sector to be able to create jobs, to grow incomes, to create opportunities, um, to attract investment into the country Mm -hmm. is what private sector development is about. So that's uh, an area I've worked in for many years. Yes. Um, I worked in Kenya Airways. I was the manager for government and industry affairs. Before that, I was in the commercial department um, handling their claims in the customer experience department. Yes. And then I headed policy research and advocacy at the Association of Manufacturers. And then I was CEO. I was at the Association of Manufacturers for nine years, mm-hmm. and now I'm a private sector development advisor, which is like just putting everything together in terms of um, how you can grow jobs, opportunities, incomes, be able to have companies grow and thrive so that they can raise more revenues for government to mm. provide services yes. to citizens. So, so in summary, yes, yeah, yeah. It, mm. So you're facing you're facing private sector. Yes, but working with government. With government, yes, okay, because. Uh, Private sector can't work on its own mm. because you're working within a business environment uh, where government is providing services, providing opportunities for licensing and all that. So when you're working with that uh, landscape, you become the interface and drive dialogue and cooperation between the private sector and the public sector. Okay. So for example, for years at the Association of Manufacturers, mm-hmm. it was about bringing together the issues that affect private sector mm-hmm. and having that convening power to bring government to the table to discuss how to improve those issues, to look at investment, how do we drive up and grow investment in the economy, mm. what are the bottlenecks, what are the market failures that we need to address, and then using that to then improve the business environment and grow jobs and opportunities, both for small businesses, big industries, mm. um, investment from out of the country, and in the process, um, just create prosperity for a nation. Okay. So now I'm doing it Africa-wide okay. for the Tony Blair Institute, so working in different countries and uh, working with governments to drive their private sector development agenda. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Congratulations. That is a. It's 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 it makes me think of how you grow from. Is it uh, micro? Uh 
then to macro, uh-huh. yeah, and then the other okro that yeah, happens after one. that, yeah? then the bigger one yeah. that, that, that is now on a continental uh, mm-hmm. stage. Mm-hmm. I feel like asking you, especially because I, if I'm like most Kenyans, which mm-hmm. I think I am, mm-hmm. right now we are like, what are these taxes? What is happening? Why is everything mm-hmm. so expensive? Why don't we have any money? So mm-hmm. I wonder if all of us are sort of either employed within the private sector, what are some of the things, if you were to give us your top three things that could mm-hmm. be done immediately that are low-hanging fruit um i'd be curious as to what that that would be and we can talk about that right after the business news so i give you time to think of the very top three how do we fix um the prosperity issue right now and if we were to to share okay great okay Okay, well we're jumping into the business news right now with angela mirore if you've got any questions a shout out or anything you'd like to ask phyllis wakiaga within reason some of you asking her to sing (laughs) we'll get to that but if it is if it is about her work we can start with that all right let us know at the jam 984 use the hashtag drive out and jam masters and on our whatsapp line 0701-984-984 and you are back tuned to your best mix of music and we're having a wonderful conversation about private sector development with our jam master in studio phyllis wakiaga karibu sana once again did you say Jane or, or Zane when you were growing up? Just speak the truth. Jane, of course. <laughs> hey! <laughs> yeah, you are from my school. You are from the my school. school. <laughs> Academy. <laughs> well, all right. So so before we went on break, I was um, you were explaining to us sort of how the work in your space happens yes. and what it is that you try to do even if you're private sector facing, trying to then work with governments and now on a more continental level um, to see how we can we can drive the, let me call it the gospel of prosperity yeah. <laughs> within this sector, right? Yeah. So so how do we do it? How do we actually do it? What would your top three uh, uh, solutions, solutions be? be? Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll just zero down on three, but the top thing would be business environment. The second would be around sector development and value chains. And mm. the third would be around market development. So for business environment, it would be addressing the issues that affect the cost and the ease of doing business. Because any of us doing business know you have to pay uh, numerous licenses. Mm-hmm. It takes time to do it sometimes, and the administrative burden and cost is big on businesses. Yes. If you look at things like transport and logistics, all that affects the ability for business to be competitive in a market. So business environment has a lot of facets that need to be addressed mm-hmm. in order to make it competitive. Then the second one on sector development and value chains, for countries to be able to succeed in industrial policy development, they need to look at the value chains and the sectors where they have the most competitive or comparative advantage. Mm -hmm. So, for example, if they have the access to the raw materials or they have the skills in the market or they've built a value chain that enables them to play in such a sector. So if you're looking at, for example, cotton, where do you get your raw material from? How do you build that value chain and grow it? Mm -hmm. So that's the second one. You develop your sectors and your markets. I mean, your sectors and your value value chains. Then the third is your markets because once you produce goods or services, they need to get into a market. Yes. So developing your domestic market to be able to take up uh, those goods and services. Improving incomes is another way because if people don't have money in their pockets, they cannot buy what you produce in mm-hmm. terms of your goods and services. Um, and then the other one, of course, is export market development. I'm a big proponent of export market because your domestic market will never be big enough. Mm-hmm. So for now, for example, the Africa continental free trade area market that's giving access to about 1.3 billion population and a GDP of about 3.4 uh, 
trillion US dollars. This is, is a in huge market. Africa? Yeah, the entire continent yes. now that we've signed the agreement. 1.2? 1.3 Tra- billion 1. people. 1.3 billion yes. people. And our consumers mm-hmm. spend by 2030 of about 6.7 trillion US dollars. So that's a huge market. So if you're able to then produce the goods and services within the continent to serve that market, you have an opportunity to create jobs and improve livelihoods and incomes uh, within the continent. Yeah, so that's what I'm passionate about and I can, tell, I can tell. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I can yeah. tell. I can tell. And it's, I'm glad you, you are passionate about yeah. it because it feels like a, a, a huge uphill task. Because I imagine that you have insight from yes. both private sector and government yes. now. Um, and it cannot be easy to meet people who maybe don't have the same level of passion or don't understand the yeah. the metrics behind, behind it, yeah. um, and so so the, I think it's more a question about dealing with people with people um, yeah. simplifying those conversations yes. because even for governments one of the biggest challenges is delivery we keep saying we have all the reports we know what needs to be done but how do you get it done yeah so one of the things we do uh, where I I work currently. We support governments through policy. We help them think through the strategies, the priority sectors, the policies they need to put in place, and then the delivery mechanisms, because that's where the rubber meets the road. Mm. If you're able to come up with clear delivery mechanisms and outputs and stay true to the cause and deliver on that, you're then able to change livelihoods. And the fourth area we support on is we embed everything in technology, Mm. because technology today has the ability to actually transform how you deliver services as government, how quickly you can get some of these things done. Okay. Yeah, so that's probably how we do it to simplify it. But also for each of these things, it can be broken down and simplified. Mm. If you're talking, for example, about improving productivity in agriculture, Mm. it's the things around how do you improve your farming productivity by bringing in either technology, Mm. how do you bring in the right seed, how do you bring in fertilizer if you're growing productivity how do you then aggregate your products put them together so that they can access a market how do you develop your markets by identifying mm. where you can sell your goods so it's bite size yeah and yeah what, what about some let's just f- stick with the agriculture conversation yeah. for a, a few minutes if mm-hmm. if i'm not yet in it yeah. but this is where i'd like to go because I'm, yeah. I'm thinking i keep sharing this statistic because it blew mm-hmm. my mind this mm-hmm. this um last uh, what is it called when we do the the census, right? Uh-huh. Um, that taught us that um, our mean age currently is 20.1 years mm-hmm. in Kenya. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking of that 21, 22-year-old who's just finished uni, mm-hmm. is has been tamaking, if that term is still even relevant, <laughs> looking for jobo, <laughs> yeah. whatever they do with their fingers know, now, like clicking on keyboards, right? Yeah. Um, and has not yet found something to do and yeah. are now thinking, okay, food security or food insecurity, maybe mm-hmm. I go and use a portion of that land you know uh, and and start doing farming yeah so the starter pack for this person because I mm-hmm. imagine on a larger scale if somebody's already in there you're talking about improving a process yeah so this access to the, the farming shall we call yeah. it a sector or a value the chain the yeah value chain. Um, I, from what I'm seeing there are a lot of youth getting involved in agriculture in mm-hmm. Kenya today uh, because like the options of having greenhouses, I know banks like KCB have been running programs around uh, yes. supporting the young people to get greenhouses. Mm-hmm. We have companies like Twigger that are helping with aggregation. So it's basically, of course, working backwards and seeing what would grow in the piece of land you have. Because mm-hmm. certain things can grow in certain parts Areas. of the country. Yes. And then once you figure that out, um, investing in, 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 in growing it. But the most important part is the market. 
because you can grow your cabbages and then get stuck yeah, with them. True, true. So yeah, thinking about how you can get into this aggregation plans like what Twiga does or grow products that are required for industry like we have soybeans farmers who supply the edible oil manufacturers like Bitcoin and others. We mm-hmm. have people who grow sorghum and supply the EABLs. So looking at a crop that has a market and mm-hmm. a sure market mm-hmm. so that you don't end up with uh, you farmed and you don't have anyone to sell to okay. so you'd need then to do that type of research mm-hmm. um as you build into this but there's a lot of opportunities i've seen books even going around where people are writing these are low lying fruits avocados is a big one yeah. it's a big market opportunity i know it sounds like it's talked about all <laughs> I the feel time, like it's everywhere it's and as one person yeah, who does not eat avocados oh i feel God, like i love avocados <laughs> now you you're the one the spoiling tree, the market the tree in the comp- i am spoiling the market <laughs> but i give i give to people like you, <laughs> you give people like so, me. Yeah. i'll organize a delivery yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, looking at those opportunities. But for the young people, another space that is starting to grow mm-hmm. is the BPO space, mm-hmm. the business process outsourcing. A few years ago, maybe 10 years ago, it looked like it would take off and then it didn't quite take off. Mm-hmm. But during COVID, uh, there was a big move to diversify markets because certain countries that had big BPO investments shut down completely. And because of that, we have seen BPO grow in this region and especially in Kenya. Are these the, the calls that we years. make and somebody from yes. Asia picks up yes. and says hello? Yes, hello that has June? started picking up in the country. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that's another industrial sector that has a lot of potential All right. and opportunity and is probably more in line with uh, the, the the young generation. Mm-hmm. And now with virtual jobs, you can work uh, pretty much from anywhere. True. So also looking at opportunities in in virtual jobs and areas like that okay. as people grow their careers. I like it. I like it. We'll talk a little bit more about the young people because I know mentorship is something that you are passionate about and these are the people who... <laughs> I, 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 maybe it's an assumption that we're making that it's only young people uh-huh. who can be mentored. <laughs> so uh-huh. we'll talk a little bit about that. 98.4 Capital FM We are continuing to learn about the private sector and development and how we can use all the knowledge we have from uh, how to improve our businesses, business environment, how we can look at sector development and value chains, market development, improving our income, all good things if it means putting money in our pockets, foods on our plate. Foods. Foods. Are they multiple? Foods, Foods, yeah? Guy. Foods. (laughs) Food on our plates. It's the S. It came earlier. <laughs> anyway, Phyllis Wakiaga is here and we were segueing our conversation into mentorship uh, as we talked about the youth. Um, why is this an area that you are passionate about? Um, I'm passionate about youth development and mentorship because I have been youth, I have been young, mm-hmm. and I know how when I started my career I felt like I wish there was more information out there or someone to handhold you and and show you the way. So in the year 2008, I think I had worked for about three years. I registered a social enterprise called Tinsight. Tinsight. Tinsight, Uh yeah. Which is a youth development network to support young people to navigate the career ladder and to grow their careers. Mm -hmm. So I was very young then, but that was my ambition. And over the years, I've used it as a platform to speak um, in different forums, to carry out mentorship programs in schools and Mm -hmm. to do a lot of activities around mentorship. Um, And this year I have now like sort of tried to go bigger. In January, on January 7th, Mm -hmm. we launched a career dialogue platform uh, by Tinsight. And basically what it does, it brings together the seasoned professionals, entrepreneurs with young professionals to have conversation and dialogue around careers, what the opportunities are, how do you grow in your career, 
what is the landscape because things have changed significantly over the last few years True. with covid with technology and everything so what does that mean as we are developing our careers so we had the first event with about 130 people in the room a lot of interest and dialogue around uh, careers and i think for the young people what they really enjoyed the most was the fact that you're having direct conversations with ceos md's business owners mm. uh, we had them do speed mentoring for for them on on I- during the event yes so yeah that is what my passion is at the moment developing young people empowering them equipping them to be able to fulfill their purpose in life mm. Mm. Yeah. i i hear a lot of conversation around um you know people have not had the best experiences with yeah. with the youth let's call them that mm-hmm. my youth them right mm-hmm. um and it's for various reasons yeah. it's we don't understand how to communicate with them we don't understand what their um what their uh, sort of concerns are and 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 how it's like we we speak on two different frequencies yes. um and yes i i think we were all young ones mm-hmm. uh, but i definitely feel uh-huh. that there's a very different crop yes. yeah that we're dealing with when we speak and and engage with the youth mm-hmm. what concerns me is they are the next sort of the next ones that we're leaving the other ones okay there's no there are no other sisindi otuko is what they can they can say you know yes. they are fully entitled to to make that statement and i worry sometimes about whether they are ready mm-hmm. um whether we are when when i say we i mean the current uh, crop that is 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 in the workforce right now is in charge of policies in charge of some of these conversations yeah. are we ready uh for that transition because i think disruption is great i think the way they think differently is also it's a good amazing, thing is yeah. amazing mm-hmm. but i feel like sometimes there's a disconnect because there's still some foundational things yes that i i i struggle to let go of because i'm like this is like starting to It's learn basics. a language yeah. without the basics no you're right and that's why we created the career dialogues by tinsight mm-hmm. to provide that platform to convene and connect yeah. this different generations so that we foster that dialogue mm-hmm. and we bridge the understanding and i think from the first event i came out of it saying these guys are just like us mm. because we had people in the room who are just as ambitious the only thing with them is they are more confident yes. they speak up more yeah. they have great ideas so when you sit with them you realize they are actually just like us and will probably even go further mm-hmm. but we don't give them the opportunity to have these platforms where they have dialogue with those of us who are older more experienced and we also hear them out yeah. because they have amazing ideas they have amazing approach to life on the panels we had um two young people so the person who moderated each of the panels was a 20 21 year old wow, okay. uh, having dialogue with Paul like Mike Masharia yes. uh, the CEO of 7Cs yes. Mary Mulili yes. UBA Bank CEO and you realize that there are really people who are going to go very far we okay. just need to give them that opportunity to understand and also to listen to them Uh, I, I think we need them. those two panel uh, moderators here so that I, we can <laughs> be we can we can have hope we can have hope one of the wonderful the CEO of Tinsight wonderful then, uh, we had uh, Nyakawa yes Nyakawa the good the bad and the busherian he okay. runs a podcast oh nice yeah, so, the good yeah, the bad and the busherian we can bring both of them here for a conversation super yeah. super 98.4 capital fm Thanks for tuning into the Jam on 98.4 Capital FM. Thanks for all the love for all of you who've been tuned in from <laughs> I'll 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 do the roll call shortly because I can see a lot of you are <laughs> you are you are in different places. I see you are in the few some of you are in different counties. Did I see Kericho? Ah, it's good. It's very good. 20th county well represented. Which is the 20th county? Hmm. 
Kibera. I see all of you. Okay, yeah. we'll do roll call later. Let's uh, jump back into our conversation with uh, our singer in studio today. <laughs> <laughs> I turned into a singer. You've turned into yeah. a singer because you yeah. know when we when we yeah. told the the people that you are coming, yeah. one of the one of the pieces of feedback was, is she going to belt out a tune? Oh, my. And so, you know, our job here, I feel, is really just to, <laughs> to speak on behalf of the people. And, and that's to is, get me to sing. to get you to sing. Okay. So the question, the, the part you have sort of, you know, mm-hmm. autonomy over is whether you want to do it now or you or want later. to do it later. We can do it as we finish. As we finish. Yeah, nice. Okay, okay. For those of you who made that request, I hope you're right by the, the, the radio eh? or the computer, wherever you're tuned in from. All right. So so we've we've, we've had a really nice sort of uh, flow of our conversation and we were um, talking about the youth and and being encouraged by um, the work and the the advocacy I guess we can call it that that you're doing at Teensight yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Um, and and which is the platform that you've set up to yes. to mentor and 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 work on youth development. Um, and you 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 were convincing me that there is hope. I really I really needed to hear hope. that there, there is, is hope. Yeah. <laughs> I and I, I believe many others. Um, and I think that's a good thing. I think that's a good thing. And I applaud you for for being, uh, you know, and staying true to that path because I also think that people can be mentored badly. Yeah. So I'm I'm happy that you're one of the ones doing it and the people you're bringing in from in industry as well because yes. I do think being able to see you know you said earlier that uh, when you were young you remember looking around for people who can give you more information who can yeah. sort of hold your hand and give you a, a hand up and I think you know that was very similar for me as well I was yeah. very fortunate I, when mm-hmm. I look back at my career I always had people who are just like come sit here get a notebook exactly. and learn um, it does make a whole difference it yeah. does make a whole difference okay so I wanted to now ask you because you you shared a lot about what you've done up to this point mm-hmm. and I wonder how have you managed to balance um, you know life family work uh, new careers I, I imagine yeah. you're traveling quite a bit mm-hmm. um, and and what is the thing you would say that has helped you to to find to strike balance you know mm-hmm. um, and I think it's something we ask men as much as we ask women because I think it's just how do you do life right yeah, how, how do you do, do life what's yeah. what what's been your biggest learning um, from that um, how I do life is I have a strong social support network. Yes. I must say that's what has enabled me to do everything I've been able to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm married and I have four children. My firstborn turned 17 on Friday. You said four? Yes, I said four and the firstborn <laughs> hey. is 17. So. Okay, wait for the pictures. You'll understand why I'm asking for clarity. Yeah. All right. And the baby is five. So okay. I, yeah. So, so and, and I have a husband who's amazing, a yes. great social support system. Yes. My dad and mom, my late mom, she passed away last year, were yeah, also very amazing mm. in just putting in time, being with the kids. I've had the same nanny for 14 years, mm. who's also a great support system. Yes. My, my brother, my sister. So for me, that I think is really what has really made a difference for me. But also just knowing that life will never be perfect all the time yeah. and letting go of that perfection. Yes. Uh, because you can't be a perfect mother, a perfect career woman. At different times, you'll have something will give. And, and it's okay as mm-hmm. long as you've thought through um, your life in totality and are really able to balance those things as life happens. Mm. So that has been, uh, for me, a strong social support network. Um, and then just managing my time well. Mm-hmm. Because with the many things I have to do, I have to be very disciplined around how I manage my time, what I spend my energy on. Yeah. And a recent one is learning to say no because <laughs> one of one of, one of the things I used to be is I used to say yes, yes to very to many requests and things, but now I'm learning to prioritize and only spend my energy and time yes. on the things that matter the most 
and just being very clear about what my priorities are in life. Uh, there's a book I'm reading. My former chairman, Moshai Kunyiha, had come, gave it to me for my birthday, yes. called 4,000 Weeks. Um, time management for mortals. And it says that if you live to 80, you would have lived for 4,000 weeks. So you have to be very deliberate about how you spend your time. Wow. So I've already spent 2,000. So clearly, <laughs> you know my age. So I, I, I'm, I'm being more deliberate, yes. more, uh, more, more, more pragmatic about what I do with my time and my energy okay. now. Yeah. I, I always like to ask this question about what mistakes uh, you've made. And I'll just ask you to focus on one, if you can yes. think of one mm -hmm. that has taught you a, a big lesson. Yes. Uh, because, you know, much to, you know, like what you're sharing, it's never going to be perfect all the time. Yeah. And so I, I, I truly believe, and I, I am a friend of failure. That's what I say. I've, I've yeah. had to make failure my friend so that yeah. I don't get, you know, sort of overwhelmed by it. Mm -hmm. And when it happens, it happens. I picked the lesson and I learned. What's yes. been one of your biggest lessons? Um, my biggest lesson, I think, has been to be patient mm. because being younger, I used to live life on fast forward. Yeah. So I never took time to just savor the moment, to allow things to just play out mm. and, and take their own cause. And then I was a fixer and a control freak. So <laughs> the lesson I've learned is that in life, you just sometimes have to learn to be patient yes. and to savor the moment and to live in the moment and not speed through life because there's no point. Yeah. Yeah. So for yeah. me, that has been the biggest lesson. Enjoy life. Enjoy the moments. Live in the moment. And yeah, everything falls in place somehow. 98.4 Capital FM.